Welcome to the Purposeful MD Podcast. As a physician, you've sacrificed so much of your life for other people, your patients, your family, your friends, and your colleagues. What would it feel like to spend time doing what you enjoy and to live without guilt? I'm your host, Dr. Laura Sutton, a family physician, certified coach, and business owner. If you're a medical professional on a journey towards your most purposeful life, a life with more time and energy and ultimately more joy, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to episode five of the Purposeful MD podcast. And today I'm going to discuss a concept around managing strong emotions. And when I was researching this topic and working on a book and including this chapter in my book, I came across a quote that I really love by Eleanor Roosevelt that says, a woman is like a tea bag. You never know how strong it is until it's in hot water. And I absolutely love this quote. I really feel like it speaks to how when women are tested, when our strength is tested, then we really shine. And managing strong emotions is a skill. It's a skill that we can learn and that we can practice. It's a little bit difficult at first. It can be just like any skill. But when I coach my clients on it, I encourage them to continue to practice just like we do with any skill, right? We don't start medical school knowing how to interview patients. And the first time we interview patients, it's clunky. Well, this is the same concept. The first time that we manage our strong emotions and we practice some of these skills, it's going to be clunky. But we know that these strong emotions are a part of life. We spend a lot of energy trying to suppress them, and this energy could be better used trying to process these. So early on in my career, when I was a physician leader, I found myself a lot of times in meetings or situations in which I felt my emotions run high. And I would work with my coach at the time, and I would ask her to help me so I don't feel these emotions right? I wanted a way out of these situations. Help me get out of this meeting or help me not feel so frustrated or so angry in these situations. And she'd been coaching for a long time. She was experienced. She said, yeah, I can't get you out of those meetings or get you out of that situation. I can't wave my magic wand so that you don't feel angry anymore, but we can work on these emotions together and process them in the moment. And that's the same thing I tell my clients. I'm not a magician. I don't know how to make these feelings go away. And they're part of life. Like I said, they're part of what make us human. So what's more helpful in those situations is how to manage the strong emotions that come up in the moment. And I was new to this concept. I didn't have a lot of practice in doing this. I had had noticed a lot of strong emotions throughout my life, of course, just like anybody especially through medical training, but in medical training, we're taught to power through, right? There's no time. There's no time to deal with those strong emotions. You move on to the next patient, the next situation, you run the code in one trauma bay, and then you go tell the patient in the next trauma bay that they have cancer. And then you go deliver a baby upstairs. That's just how we were taught. That's how we were trained. And so we just don't, have time or what we tell ourselves we don't have time, but we're not given the skills to process these emotions. And we're actually penalized for taking the time for ourselves. At least in my medical training, we were not taught the skills on how to get through these and process these in the moment. 
because we're tough, right? We're physicians. We can muscle through anything. And that's part of what built us. That's part of what made us become physicians. So the coach that I was working with at this time, she'd been coaching a lot of physicians. So she knew how we were built, how we were wired. And then we had the same mentality of powering through. And she reminded me that the situations we find ourselves in are not typical situations, delivering babies, performing CPR, everything in between. These are not normal situations. These are not situations in which most people find themselves in. They're incredibly powerful emotional experiences. And my coach helped explain to me that these emotions are stored in the body. Unless I acknowledge them and process them, then I'm not going to be able to be my best self. So she also reminded me that this powering through was a survival mechanism. We had to do this in order to get through. But when I suppress the negative emotions, I'm also suppressing the positive ones. I can't cherry pick. I can't fully feel the good ones and not feel the bad ones. So she guided me in a practice that I'll guide you guys through as well to notice each time a strong emotion arose. And so I practiced this. I practiced acknowledging and processing these in the moment. And it was a little awkward at first, again, just like any skill, but I noticed how much better I felt when I allowed myself to process the emotion. And then I also noticed how exhausted I was when I was bottling up or suppressing the emotion. So when we feel these strong emotions, it's really common to try to distract ourselves, right? We do the busy work. We scroll Instagram, social media. We watch TV. Sometimes we resort to food or substances or shopping, whatever that looks like. And sometimes these are defense mechanisms. Sometimes we need to kind of numb ourselves a little bit, but we can only do that for a short period of time before those numbing mechanisms take over. There's a concept that I love that I heard from one of my clients called procrasta work, which means procrastinating on the important stuff by working. And I know I've done this. There have been times when I really needed to study when I was getting my master's and man, that was the perfect time to clean out the refrigerator. So procrastinate work is a real thing and I've experienced it for sure. We distract ourselves. We distract ourselves from that anxiety from doing something we have to do. But those distractions might help us in the short term, but in the long term, those emotions just don't go away. I compare them to a beach ball that if you try to hold it underwater, the longer you try to hold it underwater, the more energy it takes. And then the more likely it is to pop up and hit you in the face. Strong emotions are like that. They're stored in our bodies and they stay with us. We expend a lot of energy trying to push them down. And then once they do come up, they pack a lot more punch than they might have initially. So the strong emotions can evoke a fight or flight response from our nervous system. And this is evolutionarily wired within us. It's a response to a threat, whether that threat is real or whether that's a perceived threat. And this sets off a cascade of hormones throughout our body. Our adrenaline kicks in, our cortisol kicks in, and these hormones allow us to escape the threat like a bear chasing us, but they also shut off our ability to be creative. The challenge is when we have ongoing stress, these hormones are just circulating all the time and it leads to increased anxiety, fatigue, burnout. A lot of times we don't have control over the stressors, but we can counteract the negative effect of those stress hormones in the long term. And like I said, it's not realistic that we don't ever feel those emotions. Those emotions are part of life. And we really can't know how strongly to feel the positive ones until we feel the negative ones. But what we can do is manage how we respond to them. 
how we work through them so that we don't get stuck in those negative emotions. One of my favorite models was described in a book called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by doctors Emily and Amelia Nagoski. They're identical twin sisters who wrote this book several years back that I recommend to almost every single one of my clients. It's a fantastic book. And they describe what's called completing the stress cycle to process these strong emotions since they're stored in the body. And they suggest doing any of the following activities. So any physical movement counts. Sleep is a great one. Deep breathing for one or two minutes. And ideally, if we can make the exhale longer than the inhale, this helps to signal to our body that we're physically safe. Crying is a great release of emotions. Laughing, like big belly laughing, maybe watching something funny, or some actual physical connection to a loved one or another being. So snuggling with a pet, hugging a loved one. All of these activities can counteract the fight or flight. These activities will put us into that parasympathetic, that rest and digest system. They signal to our bodies that the threat is over and that we're physically safe. And these are great tools that I've utilized throughout my life. If you know me, you know that I'm a runner and running is a huge stress relief for me, but it doesn't have to be something as strenuous as running any physical movement. So five jumping jacks or taking a walk around the block can really help. So these tools are great. They're limited a little bit in their utility in the moment. So if you're sitting there with a patient and having a challenging encounter, or if you're meeting with somebody, a colleague or a supervisor or a family member, and you're kind of in this challenging moment, it might not be realistic to do any one of these activities. Man, how we wish, how I wish I could go home and snuggle with my dog sometimes anytime I felt stressed, but that's not always possible. So how do we deal with those emotions in the moment? So there are a few steps here that can be really helpful. And the first step is to breathe. And it sounds simple, but breathing physically and emotionally counteracts those stress hormones. We're literally signaling to our body that we're safe. Because if you think about it, when we're in fight or flight, we're breathing fast and rapid. So if we can slow down that breathing, extend our inhales, and then extend our exhales, so make the exhale longer than the inhale, then you're signaling that parasympathetic nervous system. You're counteracting the fight or flight so that your body knows that it's safe. And that's something that you can do at any time. So the first step is to breathe. Next step is to name the emotion. And it doesn't have to be something complicated. It can be really simple. Anger, fear, or even say, this is just hard, or this is strong. You can always go back and label the emotion more clearly if it's helpful for you. So the third step is to just acknowledge how challenging this is. You can say something like, this is really hard right now, or it's hard to be human, or you're not alone. And then the fourth step, which isn't necessary, but it can be really helpful, is some form of self-soothing. So one way that you could do this that is inconspicuous is gently touching one hand with the other. So if you're in a situation where you can't draw attention to yourself, that's a great way to self-soothe. What I've done a lot of times, again, and depends on the situation, is you can just put your hand over your heart. It's a wonderful way to signal to the body that you're safe 
and that you're caring for yourself. And then lastly, since you have calmed down the nervous system, you can intentionally choose your next action. So if you're in a situation where you have a supervisor or somebody that's in your face yelling at you, then you can say, it's really difficult to hear you when you're speaking to me in that way. Or I'll need some time to process what you're saying. I will get back to you tomorrow. So going through all those steps, breathe, name the emotion, acknowledge the challenge, self-soothe, those steps can really help bring that nervous system back into parasympathetic and to rest or digest. It brings your prefrontal cortex back online so that you can think more clearly and intentionally choose your next action. And these steps really only take a few seconds, but they drastically change your body chemistry and then they change your response to a threat. And it doesn't matter if it's a real or perceived threat. To the brain, it doesn't matter. So let me tell you a story of a client during a recent coaching session that I had. I asked her what she wanted to accomplish during the call. And she said, I don't want to get angry when my colleague doesn't do what I ask her to do. And I hear this a lot from my clients saying that they don't want to have a certain emotion. And it's usually a, a stronger and more challenging emotion like anger or fear or frustration. So again, it's understandable. These emotions are uncomfortable. We tend to move away from discomfort. So as the fearless truth teller that I am as a coach, I told her the truth. I said, I can't prevent you from getting angry and you can't prevent yourself from getting angry. Anger is a part of life. It's a normal human emotion. And it's natural that we want to make it go away because it doesn't feel good. But my client who was identified as a female, she'd been socialized that she wasn't allowed to get angry. And it wasn't safe for her to show angry. So she didn't feel safe in her body. She was allowing this anger to build up and express itself in other ways. So the real challenge wasn't the anger itself, but was how she acted when she felt angry and what she was telling herself about the anger. She was telling herself that I shouldn't be angry. What my colleague was doing wasn't that bad. No one else around me is angry. It's wrong to be angry. So it's the thoughts about the anger and the anger itself that was just compounding her frustration. So the first step was giving her permission to feel the anger. And I reminded her, hey, all of this is normal and this is allowed. She had this thought of, I shouldn't be angry. And it was increasing her frustration and piling on top of the discomfort. I guided her through the steps, breathe, name the emotion, acknowledge the difficulty, self-soothe, and told her that she can use these as often as she needs to, to process those emotions that are coming up. We actually use the tools right on our coaching session together to work with the emotions that were coming up as she was describing the situation. And immediately afterward, even though nothing had changed about the situation, she said that she felt so much more peaceful and so much more grounded. She was able to think clearly through the next steps and was more confident to move forward and handle the situation in a way that aligned with her values. And she came back to the next session, having practiced the steps, and she told me how much lighter, happier, peaceful, and less stressed she felt overall. So these tools can be really, really impactful. And it's important that we prioritize taking the time and having the space to process these emotions. It's critical to our overall health. The negative impacts of chronic stress on our physical and emotional health is well-documented. 
And we know from the research that, again, we can't selectively suppress emotions. When we suppress the negative ones, we suppress the positive ones too. And we can't allow ourselves to feel the good ones unless we also allow ourselves to feel the tough ones. Working with these requires daily practice and attention. And like I said, just like any new skill, it feels uncomfortable at first, but as we practice it, it gets easier and becomes more automatic. I encourage you to practice these and I'll go through the steps one more time. Breathe, name the emotion, acknowledge the difficulty and soothe yourself. And then you can decide your next action with a clear mind. You can intentionally choose your response. So I encourage you to try this often. This has been a journey for me and it's something I practice all the time, but it has been so helpful for me. And it's been so impactful for me to realize when I am just bottling up those emotions, when I can allow myself to feel them, they actually just don't have as much of an impact on me as they originally would have. I'd love to hear from you if this has been helpful for you, if you've put these into practice. Please feel free to reach out to me if you have any other thoughts on what works for you. Drop me an email at laura at thepurposefulmd.com. That's L-A-U-R-A at thepurposefulmd.com. All one word, thepurposefulmd.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Purposeful MD Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate and review the show. Please also visit my website, www.thepurposefulmd.com for free downloads or to discuss working with me as your coach.